You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. everybody welcome into another episode i believe we're getting pretty close to 50 i think this is 48 of big drive energy brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app i am your host spencer aka at big drive spence here with my brother big drive mitch mitchell how you doing we're uh doing a pod from my office today so it's kind of interesting first time we've ever done this so yeah i'm just chilling i've been at work since like 5 30 this morning so uh had a little bit of monster and I'm ready to rock. Let's do this. I love it. I love it. So, uh, what we're going to get into today, a lot of stuff happened on the PGA Tour this last week. We almost took home a dub um, and it kind of felt dirty, but then we ended up losing. Colin Morikawa couldn't hold on. Uh, I, one thing I think was interesting, if we're going to recap that before we talk about the whole John Rahm situation, is it was insane how even when the when Rom was still on the leaderboard before the whole positive COVID test, uh, the three, basically the three guys vying for contention were Rom at 18 under going into Sunday. This is Morikawa and Patrick Cantley at 12 under. And all three of those dudes had won there before. Hence part of my pick for Morikawa. So kind of in- insane to see Rom was trying to go back to back, probably should have. Um, but there, there's some real interesting rules are rules rules is rules you can't break rules for nobody yeah so there's some real interesting things we want to get into uh, let's just talk about the John Rahm situation what uh, what was your thoughts on that and and what do you think you think the tour did it the right way you think they fucked up what see and I've had this conversation with multiple people because they ask if if I think that he should have been allowed to play because he was in the lead and it's it I hate to say it, but it really doesn't matter where you're at on the leaderboard. It's 
they they drew a line in the sand at the beginning of this whole thing, and they can't waver from that because when it's just opening a whole can of worms that they don't want to deal with. Who are you going to say can play and can't play? You know, he's got a six-stroke lead. Everyone was like, send him out first thing with just his caddy, no spectators. It's like it doesn't work like that. You get fucking COVID, you got to sit out. What a lot of people don't know is if you have a positive COVID test on the PGA Tour the week that you're supposed to play, you automatically get a check for seventy-five grand. So John Rahm didn't quite win the $1.7 million. So he's probably going from like a, a Ferrari Enzo to like a nice mid-class Lexus is what he made last week. So he's still doing okay. He's still got that 75 Gs in his pocket. But Rom is definitely one of those guys where he's in the stage of his PGA Tour career where it's not about money for him. The 1.7 just tossed that in there. He might not even notice when it hits his bank account. But it's about wins and about legacy, about becoming the number one player in the world and being like your, your stamp on golf as a whole on the PGA Tour. And so I think that was the most frustrating thing for him because he was going to cruise to victory. He's up by six shots. It wasn't like it was tight, um, and everybody's like, oh, he socially distanced himself from the field. Well, what you should have done is socially distance from the person that had COVID. Maybe just don't hang out with them. Um, and then, so what I heard, this is actually hilarious. Rom hung out with this person, knew they had COVID, or found out they had COVID, and immediately went and got the first COVID shot after he got after he was exposed to COVID. Oh, really? It's like that's not how that shit works either, bro. Like, it's kind of funny. I mean, somewhat of an attempt to save himself. But uh, yeah, I mean, the rules are the rules, and you you can't mess around with it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're up by six, down by six, you're hose. So that's just uh, PJ Tour drawing a hard line in the sand, and I don't blame him for it. Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple of the things that were messed up about the announcement is I believe he got basically given the news during a post-game, post-round presser uh, on live TV. So that's that's shitty first. But also, it just does suck the fact that he, you know, if he was in third place or fourth place, like you said, wins matter to the guys like that. Second places, third places, they could give a shit less about. But when you have a six-stroke lead, of course, you'd already won. He'd absolutely dominated. He was 18 under through three rounds. It, it's kind of funny. They they could have – it's funny how golf works, but I was listening to this uh, on the radio the other day, and they were saying that one time Tony Gwynn won a batting title, and uh, it was a year that he had missed – a bunch of games and so they they basically didn't qualify him for the batting title because he had missed so many at bats or didn't have the qualified amount of at bats and he said well fuck it give me a 0 for 1 on all those at bats and he still ended up winning the batting title it would have been kind of funny you can't do it with golf but just like if <laughs> let them go play four if you rounds given John Rahm an even par the last day which you can't do but like You've been like, okay, you get a you get an even par seventy two for the fourth. If anybody round. can shoot sixty six, then you can go out for a playoff. Oh well, and that's the other thing too is now he's got to quarantine for a recommended ten days. I want to say. So what's that going to be like for his U.S. Open prep? I mean, this just got announced Sunday. So yeah, you're right. going Sunday to next next Wednesday, I want to say, or is it fourteen days? I don't know what the PGA Tour's protocol is for their uh, quarantine situation but 
he is definitely not going to be able to get to Torrey early next week and get out there. And I mean, he has to miss this week. And we'll see how that uh, really affects how he does at the U.S. Open. I mean, his game's obviously in great shape. Taking two weeks off isn't that big, or a week off, I guess you could say, of golf is not that huge of a deal. But at the same time, it's tough because U.S. Opens are all about prep, uh, all about getting everything right on the number, all about precision. And the less time you have to really work that out between you and your caddy, the uh, more you're probably going to fuck up. (laughs) So he's going to be probably struggling a little bit at the U.S. Open. I could be wrong, but I think that's definitely going to affect his at least near future performances. Yeah, I think one of the I think one of the funny things about the whole situation is so we're going to get into a little bit of Lee Westwood's tweets because Lee Westwood really took the time. He actually tweeted this a couple of days ago, and Lee Westwood's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's pretty funny. Um, informative. He knows he's been around the tour for twenty, probably twenty five years. So he kind of knows the ins and outs of it. He knows the inner workings of it. So he's he's a good follow on Twitter. But he's definitely, as we talked about last podcast, and talking about how more interactions, more he. I think Lee Westwood's vying for some uh, PGA Tour sponsor money from all this these Twitter interactions. But basically, he tweeted, and this was uh, June sixth. So I want to say that's Sunday. Um, Sunday night, maybe after the round. And he said, just reading up on the John Rahm PGA situation, I went through a similar thing at the Players' Championship this year, less the Saturday positive test. Ask away if you have any questions you want answered. And so he basically goes through and get, answers all these people's questions. Well, not all of them, because he got a ton of replies. There's approximately, uh, it doesn't even say how many replies on there, but um, basically he got asked by all of the, you know, the Twitterverse, essentially, golf Twitter, about kind of the situation and how it unfolded. Um, So one of them, let's see here, let's go through some of the questions. So some guy tweeted him and goes, could he not play in the final round himself and him him and his caddy wear a mask with a marshal following him, social distancing? And here's the issue here. If, if If it was a close contact situation and no positive test i feel like that is when you could have maybe allowed that well here he was already in protocol because he knew he had he was around somebody that tested positive yeah so so he he was aware of it and yeah i mean i don't disagree like close contacts close contact i was in close contact with you and you had covid however long ago eight months ago or whatever shaming me i'm covid shaming (laughs) it's 2021 we covid shame around here now but, but no, I, I'm just saying like close contact is uh, it's weird because I didn't get it and I went and got tested multiple times, never showed a trace of it. Um, and that's the other shitty thing too for John Rom. Obviously, he was showing no sign of it at the time. By the seams, I really didn't uh, get that close of a interaction with him to hear if he was coughing or anything of that nature. But. If you're playing that good at golf, I don't think you can be fatigued and all that uh, fun stuff that you have when you're you come down with COVID. So it seemed like he felt 100. percent I think what the kids call it is um, what's non asymptomatic. I think yeah, yeah, that's that's what he is. That's one of the new scientific words we've used a lot in the last year for sure. <laughs> um, so in Lee's response to that, we're all trying to prevent the spread of it. 
you can't have people playing when COVID is confirmed. What if more than one just te- just one tested positive? What if six people did, and then you'd set a precedent? And honestly, the thing about it is, is like I I don't want to get into the weeds here because this whole COVID thing. There's a lot of things we could potentially talk about, um, and how much it affects certain people. But that's not really the the crux of this argument and where you need to be with this. If somebody has it, you basically have to act like they're going to get sick and be in the hospital. Because if you didn't, then this would have spread way worse than it already did, which is, I don't know if it's even possible. But they're, like, the the whole asymptomatic thing, like, you can't try to spread it to somebody else because then somebody else gets... Uh, and I know the whole arguments, some ways have been athletes are... Athletes are not near as... Um, what's the word? Uh, what's Help me out with this word. Um, susceptible to having, like, when they have COVID, to being extremely, you know, in danger for their lives and having to go to the hospital. But it's not entirely out of the question either. This, it's so random on people that are healthy versus people that are not healthy. Getting yeah, you in. have to assume worst case scenario. Yeah, and you so, can't assume oh they're going to be fine. You know, that's that's what got us into this mess, <laughs> right? To begin with. So yeah, it's definitely erring on the side of caution is the play there. Yeah, and so um, they, so the one guy commented, and kind of the thing I said is, this guy said Brian Miller at Dusty Miller sixty three on Twitter said, I just think the way they informed him was wrong. No problem otherwise. If those are the guidelines, protocols in place for all players, admittedly very tough for him with a six shot lead. And Lee Westwood goes, When should they have done it? And the guy comments back and goes, Sorry, no inside with the timing as he was playing, but maybe in private and then just announce his withdrawal statement slash joint statement. And then Lee said they'd be trying to keep him away from as many contacts as possible. Nothing is going to be ideal in this situation. Well, yeah, and, you don't want him to walk. Sorry to cut you off. You don't want him to walk into the scorer's tent, be around all the fans, all the crowd, this and that, and then be like, oh, yeah, you have COVID. You can't play. Like, And honestly, too, I don't know if this is the PGA Tour's way of trying to uh, – get some good pub, not good pub, but get some eyeballs on it. Like, oh, here's a video of John Rahm getting told he has to withdraw his COVID. And I don't know if that's like like um, conspiracy theory or anything. But, I mean, can you imagine how many views that uh, video got of John Rahm being told and like his raw emotion showing how upset he was that he had to withdraw? You know, they, they that's... That's something the old PGA Tour would want to keep behind closed doors and kind of put away. Now I think that's something they want to, not spotlight necessarily, but they want to show that. Like, that golf is such an emotionless game, and I think they really want to sh- show the players' real personality, their real emotion. I mean, John Rahm's not usually short on that, but a lot of guys are, so I think they could have been playing that a little bit to the, to the TV numbers deal. Yeah, I mean, if people are watching that post-game, post-round interview and they see something like that, it definitely changes. And Rahm's got to be very careful in that situation, too, to how he reacts to it because if he reacts in a negative light, he's putting himself in a negative light and then everybody's, you know, Oh, you're him pissed off because you have COVID? Like, th- just basically saying, oh, this is about me winning a golf tournament. This isn't about me and my safety. Or everybody else's safety, should I say. So, yeah, that's a... That's a slippery slope. I mean, he obviously wasn't going to be stoked about it, but at the same time, uh, you kind of, like you said, have to take it gracefully and be like, you know what? And it's that's that's really the thing, too. If he didn't know, 
that he was around somebody that had COVID and he didn't know he was in contact tracing and this just came out of nowhere, I would be probably really upset too. But when you know that there's a chance already on, I think, did Lee Westwood tweet about what days they test on? Yeah, so here, um, this guy tweeted him and goes, how often do the players have to be tested? Is it before the tournament starts? I hope John Rahm will feel better soon as he's a brilliant player to watch like yourself too. So you guys trying to get a little... Get a little brown nose, but he goes, it's now vaccine dependent, but it's generally once at the start of the week, as soon as you get there before going on site, unless you've had a close contact and it's every day between seven and nine in the morning or three to five in the afternoon. So John Rom being obviously, if, it, if uh, what we can concur from this or declare, if you will, or uh, basically <laughs> without calling him out, and, and I'm not vaccine shaming John Rom. But, but why the hell would you not get a vaccine? Yeah, like, like what do you? Th- so he didn't. Ha- he had to have not had it. Like, yeah, he just absolutely. Well, had to he he went and got it after he found out he was in close contact, and it's yeah. like that's too late. Right, and so basically, first the first thing that we can get from that is that John Rom didn't have the vaccine because. As silly as this is, well, the vaccine's not 100%. We know that. Well, but, yeah. but I think the funny thing about it is it's vaccine-dependent. So if you're vaccinated, you don't even have to be tested, which is still a little sketchy. Yeah, it really is. Just, just assuming that every vaccine is 100% effective, which nothing is. Um, but then, so John must... But this, actually, reading this and kind of talking about it, it makes it seem like John maybe knew this was coming, or he had it in his mind. That's like, what I'm saying, yeah. and he, he, he Well, he should, like... He knew he was in close contact with somebody. He got tested, I'm sure, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, you know, I guess it takes, what, five to seven days to transmit, I guess you could say? Is that what the standard transmission time is? Yeah, I think it's it's a couple of days at least. But um, this other lady tweets him, O'Toole Marion, and goes, I didn't realize you could play if you were a close contact to a case. Do you have to ice? Do you not have to isolate as a precaution while you await a test result? And he said, yes, you're, so if you are a close contact on the tour, you're given a separate room, you're not allowed in the clubhouse, player dining, locker room, or any public areas. Holy cow. Yeah, so if you're in close contact, like, can you imagine the difference, like, these players, the guys that are close contacts, and I think the worst thing about, like, not the worst thing, they, they're probably fine, and they can get their game past it, but everybody knows then they are you know it's kind of like that weird like scenario where everybody you're like knows, a leper like, yeah exactly yeah like, like everybody's trying to stay away from you it's yeah they see you're not in the clubhouse they see you're not allowed in certain areas and they're like oh oh yeah the, all the buddies are like let's go and have a beer afterwards and he's like oh can't no can do and it's like why the hell not but yeah that's a uh, such a weird deal man and i i wonder what would happen is like if he won if he went on Sunday, played his round one, and they announced he had COVID afterwards, would he still get that win? Oh, God, that would be... That's, un- that would, would that be, like, a, a whole other can of worms that... And then it would look really bad if they told him after and pulled the title. Like, he, if he finished the tournament... And on on the golf course playing... Yeah, yeah like, like he should have won the event. Well, and so here's... Here, kind of piggybacking off of that, Lee Westwood. So this guy asked him... Um, if he had a positive test before his round, why let him play the full 18 holes then, especially if he had been in contact with someone who tested positive the day before? And Lee said, the test was before the round. The results take two to three hours. The second test is done on the same sample to be sure it's not a false positive. It takes another two to three hours. That's why they informed him at 6 o'clock after the round. So that's actually a really interesting point. What do you think they I think they would have given him the title. 
I think they would have had to have. Yeah, I, I don't they, think you could have done anything else. But, yeah, that is a tough thing, too, because everybody's like, oh, false positive this, false positive that. So it's good to know that they actually do a second test on the first one. And I think testing, I mean, this has kind of gone down a little bit of a political road. It's not really our goal, but... Um, I think testing has improved drastically since even middle of last year when they started doing this. And I remember it was, I think it was Cameron Champ. He tested positive the morning of the event, so he was forced to withdraw. And this was sometime middle of last summer. He did three straight tests in like a three-hour span after that same day, all negative. So then I would be pretty steamed. I mean, given Cameron Champ's background, there probably was a decent chance he wasn't going to contend and he would take that $75,000 check. That's a that's a decent cut for not doing anything that week and going home and sitting on your couch for a few weeks. But now I think the testing is in the spot where they feel pretty confident in the results they're giving him. And for everybody crying false positive this blah 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 who cares dude it's i mean that's the results that came down and it's just one of those things that sucks like you never want to see that happen to anybody rom is a little bit of a dickhead so it it was kind of nice to see him be humbled because he's kind of in my opinion he's a little bit of a cocky dickhead but he's uh he's gonna have a couple tough weeks ahead of him and i think that's what you get for not taking covid serious like he's hanging out with people that are clear that have it even if they are asymptomatic so i think it was a tough lesson to learn but i'm sure he's not going to go doing that shit again for sure yeah and i think depending upon you know where all these people live that are tweeting westwood i think the people that are like just let him play by himself actually one one funny tweet to come out of this is somebody's like they should just let rom finish the tournament because he's already socially distanced himself plenty from the field i mean six shot lead when you're basically Six shot lead in this, and you're, you know, 18 under. He was just lapping everybody. Yeah. Which that's what makes this such a big story, in my opinion. If he was at 10 under and in third place, and he somebody else was at 18 under, nobody would have. Re- this yeah. would be kind of a. Yeah, it'd be an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It really wouldn't be that big of a story. But uh, I think that's enough of the John Rom talk. Um, so we did have some good picks last week. Yes, we did. We had some some very good picks. Justin Thomas really bent me over on Sunday. Um, wasn't a big fan of that. He shot. I think he was at, was he even or he's two under. I think he was right outside the top ten. He had a rough weekend. Let's put it that way. For a place he's been so successful at and played so well at, he did me dirty on the weekend, um, metaphorically speaking. Uh, but I know we had. So he had Colin Morikawa, which. I gut, Shane Lowry, T6. A gut punch on Morikawa, for sure. Yeah, we um, about had a third winner on the year. Mm-hmm. A third winner in the last two months. Yeah, we're, we're feeling ourselves right now. But the uh, the golf course, as usual, was amazing. I know they just recently did some renovations. Um, I didn't see super specifically what they were. I think they redid some of the bunkering. They redid some of the green complexes. But well, we tweeted out a video like from the PGA Tour on Wednesday because they went through hole by hole or each renovation and talked about what Jack Nicholas did. Okay, I kind of just, I didn't, uh, I'm being honest, I just skimmed it a little bit. I didn't watch the entire thing. 
I mean, how many times can you say, oh, they moved this bunker here, this bunker there? Like, overall, it really doesn't make a difference. That place is pure as hell. It's super good. The greens always look so amazing, and those par threes are so challenging because they've got these diagonally cut greens, and they're over water. So you have to not only control your distance, but you also have to directionally control your shot because a 180 shot to the 180-yard shot to the left side of the green is like middle of the green. You hit a 180 on a tucked right pin, it's in the water. So you're really, but then if you hit it 190 to that back right flag, it's okay. But if you hit it 190 left edge, you're in that back bunker with a really challenging bunker shot. So it really makes you think, it really makes you control your flight. And that's why I think John Rahm was playing so well up into that point because he's just one of the best ball strikers on tour week in, week out. He's got complete control of his golf ball and when he's knocking in putts, he's pretty tough to beat. Yeah, and so we did finish up with two picks in the top 10. So like we said, we're sprinkling winners on all of our picks and getting top 10s, top 5s. So we hit two picks with Morikawa. He got a top 5. Probably should have won the tournament. He was up a couple strokes going into, I believe, 16 or 17. Ended up getting a, uh, ended up getting a, uh, I think he either made bogey on the last, I want to say he made bogey on the last, but him and Patrick Cantley tied, so they went into a, into a playoff, and which was one in one hole by Patrick Cantley. So, kind of a gut punch there when you had him to win. But then Mitchell's pick of Shane, Shane Lowry, T6, um, great pick there. And then another little gut punch, Ricky Fowler, um, he was, he finished T11, so he just finished out of that top 10, which would have won me some money. I think I believe he was like plus seven or 800 to be in the top 10. He finished one shot off of that. Um, pretty disappointing 75 on Saturday, which kind of took him out of the running. He did shoot 70 on Sunday to get close. Uh, I was really hoping for like Siwoo Kim or Aaron Wise coming down the stretch to make a bogey and, and get Ricky into the top 10, but didn't happen. Um, a couple of our other picks, like we were, after Friday, we were looking pretty, even Thursday. We had really six, like, all six were in the top 15. No, five of them. Five, okay. Keegan uh, Bradley was, uh, I'm sorry for all those of you that I listened to my Keegan Bradley first round leader pick. I believe he shot like pretty close to 80. <laughs> um, but yeah, Justin Thomas finished the week uh, weekend 75-75. What the fuck, um, dude? For a T42 finish. And then, uh, even worse than that, you think that's bad. My pick, Hideki Matsuyama, shot 73-68. So he's minus three, and I believe he was like T7 or T8 going into the weekend. He shoots 79-76. So um, pretty rough weekend for a couple of our picks. But overall, not bad to hit a top five and then two top tens and basically have a winner up until the playoff hole. I, I will take that. And like we said... It is funny just to see, you know, when we're going through and doing our picks, how guys that all three guys at the top of the leaderboard had already won here, and that's you know that's golf and not in a nutshell. It's not easy to bet golf, but it's uh, it, there's there's horses for courses, and even with the redesign, I think you know some guys just take, they just take, vibe, yeah, they just they, they just, just vibe like, really like well. The track, but uh, one guy I also have to give a shout out to this last week, Jimmy Walker. Shot 65 on Sunday. Yeah. He backdoored the hell out of a top 10 because he was one over going into Sunday, finished at six under. So he, that just goes to show you one really good round. I mean, that round was really, really nice, but he hasn't had a top 10, I want to say, since 2018. A top 10. And for a player of his caliber, because there for a few years, um, I want to say five to six years ago, he was a 
premier player. I mean, he won the PGA Championship. He won a handful of times out on tour. He was thought of as a top five, top ten player in the world. And his game has just really suffered. His ball striking um, is very inconsistent because of some of the technicalities in his swing. He's one of the very few tour players that plays with a generally open club face at the top and is fairly open on the way down. So he's kind of a a stall and flip guy, if anybody can relate to that. Um, I know I can. I know Spencer can. Everybody does it from time to time. But his ball striking has just gotten a little bit off the rails. And I was just really happy for him. He seems like a pretty cool, chill dude. He likes steak and whiskey, if you follow him on Instagram. Um, he also likes hunting if you're not into that, but I like steak and whiskey. <laughs> I so, say that's your kind of dude too. Yeah, that's that's tea. my kind of guy. He's like, a, who's the guy in um, Parks and Recreation? Ron Swanson, the dude. He's like, I like my favorite meal is turf and turf, <laughs> a ribeye and a fillet. <laughs> uh, that's, that's yeah, that's, that's my, my jam. Yeah, that's I could my... do that for sure. But Jimmy Walker's just super cool, down to earth dude by the seams of it, and happy for him to get his game back going because he posts on Instagram. He's like, I don't know. The what, the way he, his game was going, he said he didn't know if he was going to keep playing, like if he was going to keep doing this. He may have just hung it up. So glad to see him get back into the uh, top ten. And that's all I've got on Jimmy Walker. Yeah, well, we've seen this. I think isn't this isn't Patrick Cantley now the fourth player to win twice on tour this year? I think so. I believe he is, and and we've seen that this has been a trend the last couple of weeks with guys winning that have already won on tour this year and stacking up a stacking up a two tour a two championship season on the PGA Tour is a pretty solid year. Another guy that was up there, um, and to answer my my own question from. Uh, I believe the day we talked about the PGA Championship when we were live at the bar um, is Ricky Fowler back, and I think we can fully say that he's back now. I don't know if he's back back, but he's he's trending back. He's kind of like Jordan Spieth was like three or four months ago, right? Uh, or three three months ago at the Phoenix Open um, when he had that one crazy hot like sixty three, and everybody's like, "Is he back?" And he didn't end up winning. Um, but I think Jordan Spieth's back and Ricky Fowler's back are two separate things. Because Ricky, career-wise, I mean, he's never won a major. He really hasn't won that many times out on tour. He's more of just that dude that's like a face. And I think people look at him as more of like a brand in golf than they do a player in golf, if that makes sense. Oh, Ricky Fowler's in more commercials than 90% of the players that are ranked ahead of him on the tour. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, right now he's ranked... 126 on the tour and I, I don't blame the guy I mean he's making millions of dollars off these ad deals he's just kind of uh, taking advantage of his likeness and one thing I was going to say earlier when you were talking about all these guys on social media trying to bolster their following and stuff it's like do they want them to t- turn into like social media celebrities <laughs> like really push that narrative and I mean if they're throwing out that much money if you're like on the cusp of being on tour or not on tour, Max Homa, and we've talked about Max Homa, but being like Max Homa, it actually sounds wild, but I would take a page out of his playbook if I was kind of a random dude towards the bottom of the top 125. I would try some unique way 
even like us with our TikToks, we are trying to find a niche of following in order to promote those TikToks in order to get bigger numbers. Also, follow us on TikTok. Follow us on the TikTok, DNVR underscore golf. I feel like we've really, we really have found our niche, and I feel like we're getting to the point where it's like, yo, we're, uh, we're getting, we're getting a, I think we have like 10,000 views on our last TikTok. We've had 35,000 on our one before that. And believe, believe us when we say this, this is an honest truth. We could do these week by week. I mean, we could do these daily. We are daily. going to do well, these. We week are by going week. to. Yeah. But I'm saying we could do these daily with the, the amount, amount of stupid shit that we hear day in, day out, just from random people. But yeah, I think we're going to start uh, looking for houses in Miami, maybe in Hollywood. <laughs> Um, we're gonna be part of a, some sort of TikTok house, apparently. Yeah, we're you just know, are gonna be. Our views are through the roof, so uh, give us a follow there. But no, I mean, I really do think these guys should take advantage of that. And there is a dir- like, this is just the direction the world is moving. Everybody's on the internet. Everybody, I'm sorry, not even the internet. Social media, these apps, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. The more exposure they get the more they're likely to be watched on the PGA Tour, which bolsters the PGA Tour's numbers, and everybody kind of wins. So I definitely don't blame him for going this route, but like guys like Ricky Fowler, he was he walked so everybody else could run because he's been doing this for years. Yeah. He's been pimping himself out, for lack of a better term, to all these commercials, all these different ad deals, um, and he's made a really good living and that's that's where you kind of run into a problem ricky like i know he wants to win this and that he's married to an olympic gold medalist he's got million tens of millions of dollars he lives a relaxed lifestyle he's got great buddies out on tour and ego aside and legacy aside he's living the fucking dream so really like what's the motive to get back it's all it's all self-motivation it's all got to come with, from within. He has no reason. He, he, technically, if he walked away from the game of golf, I would be like, I don't blame you. Because he could still do commercials. He could still do all that. I'm not saying he's going to do that. But he, a, a lot of these guys could do that if they really wanted to. They've got the money to. Yeah, and it's about making money. And speaking of money, <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook is not only our favorite. Spencer is champing at the bit for that one. He's ready to roll. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook is not only our favorite sportsbook app, but also America's top-rated sportsbook app. So log into DraftKings, use that promo code DNVR, get signed up, because they're giving you the chance to win $100 off of a $1 bet. So all you have to do is pick one basketball team that's still in contention. Right now, the Brooklyn Nets are looking good. They just beat. They were just up by 49 against the Milwaukee Bucks. So you want to pick the Brooklyn Nets? Do it. All you have to do is bet $1, and you win $100 in site credits, which you can use on our sometimes good, sometimes horrific golf picks. I did just cash out. Well, I didn't cash out. The bet cashed out itself, but my uh, Nikola Jokic MVP bet, so my account's looking pretty flush right now. Uh, I'm going to go in on some golf bets this week, which we'll get to here in a little bit, but download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code DNVR when you sign up, and you have the chance to turn $1 into $100. Bet on any basketball team of your choice to win the next game. And all they have to do is win the game, Nuggets vs. Suns tonight, you claim $100 in free credit. Promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, and the wager is paid out in site credits, which are just as good as money once you win more bets. 
Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, speaking of gambling problem, we both have one, and we're going to get into some picks for this weekend. So I'm going to log into my DraftKings Sportsbook app. I've already got my bets put in. It's the Palmetto Championship at Congaree. Um, on South Carolina. South Carolina. So Kisner. Yeah. Kisner's from there. Is that your pick? Uh, I, I'm <laughs> not picking him. I'm just saying he's, yes, he's I getting am, the post the pre round interviews already. He's I am already totally to I'm totally and, rolling with South Carolina guys. And I can name you three. Um Okay, give them to me and we'll find them on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Well, here. so if we're just rolling South Carolina guys, and just for reference here, uh listeners this was formerly supposed to be the Canadian Open. This, as of 2019, but these Canada's all fucked up and shut down due to COVID. Like, their restrictions are borderline obscene at this point. I think golf courses in Ontario are still closed. Like, completely. Can't even walk, can't do nothing. They weird. can't play golf. Um, so, they basically, this is an alternate tour, or, I'm sorry, alternate tournament to the Canadian Open. Uh, so this is the inaugural year of the Palmetto Championship, and the field is is not crazy strong. I mean, I Dustin, would say Dustin there's... Dustin Johnson's playing his U.S. Open warm-up. Yes. he hasn't played in a few weeks. And... Brooksy. Brooksy. Brooksy's in it. Yeah. Are two. you talking about Bryson, or are you talking about... No, I'm talking Bro- about Brooksy. Well, Brooks... That's, that's Brooks. Brooksy. Oh, Brooksy is, is Bryson. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that. We, we actually tweeted it out, but... Um, last week they actually had people Bryson had people on the course and policemen on the course um, basically anytime he got called Brooksy they were escorting people off the course that's how serious that dude is but we go on for, about Bryson for hours I was going to say real quick did you see that video on Instagram at Kapalua this last week playing and I don't really know how he did this and I'm shocked I haven't heard about him getting in trouble, but I'd be shocked if he wasn't in trouble. He went into Bryson DeChambeau's locker at Kapalua and wrote in the back of it, let's go Brooksy. So next time Bryson gets there in January, he's going to open the locker. They'll probably paint over it by then or whatever if they see it. But how funny would that be? Just absolutely living rent-free in Bryson's massive head. Somebody that writes, dude's never playing Kapalua again. <laughs> Well, he's going to win, so that he's no, probably not Br- Bryce and that dude, whoever did oh, that. Oh, oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I thought that was pretty funny. And I mean, it, it is getting a little petty at this point between those two, but I'm here for it. I'm not above drama. You know, everybody likes a little good drama in their life, especially in the game of golf. Like, everybody just looks at golf as so boring and so blah. So the fact that there's a little bit of a mix up, I mean, maybe we throw some boxing gloves on Bryson and Brooksy. Or Brooks, excuse me. Brooks and Brooksy. Brooks and Brooksy. And have them go at it, see what happens. Who do you think wins there, real quick? Who do you think boxing? I think Bryson's a lot softer than... I think Brooks would win. Oh, he's, I he is 10-ply soft. He is uh, Sherman Ultra Soft. That's what he is. So, yeah, I think Brooks would beat the shit out of him. Anywho, um, yeah, so there is three guys back to the Palmetto Championship. There's three guys right off the top of my head that are from South Carolina. And I would say South Carolina is kind of a little bit of a different breed of golf. Like, if you see these videos of Congaree out in South Carolina, you would almost think it could kind of be down in, like, Australia. Or, um, 
I don't want to say it. It's not quite Florida golf. It's got kind of its own identity because it's a little bit of uh, coastal golf, but then it's almost a little bit of desert golf mixed in. It's a little funky. So there's a lot of bunkers. There's a lot of pop, um, not pop bunkers. I'm sorry, uh, waste bunkers out there. It's covered in sand. It's probably out on some uh, like key or sand dune or whatever. Um, sandbar or whatever the fuck they call it out there. I don't know what that is. But there's a shitload of sand everywhere. But then the green or the fairways are a little brown, a little green. So it's uh, kind of a different look a little bit. And it looks a little Australian. It kind of looks like Royal Melbourne or something like that. It looks awesome though. It looks like a really good course. Going to be a real fun one to watch. So the three players that I know are from South Carolina are Dustin Johnson, who is odds-on favorite to win this week, plus 750. I think we've had a, well, considering Rom, and then the week before that, I think we've had two odds-on DraftKings Sportsbook favorites win two tournaments in a row. Wow. I'm pretty sure. That's pretty impressive. So maybe favorites are the cream of the crop is rising to the top right now. So DJ, plus 750. He's... Doesn't have great odds, but, you know, he's from South Carolina. He's rolling into the U.S. Open. So let's get this clear so we can... Are these your picks? Yes, Dustin I will. Dustin Johnson is your pick. Dustin, I'm, one of my picks is Dustin Johnson, and that's so unlike me. Um, I'm, I, I'm only taking three, so Kisner is not one of my picks, but I still take action on him just because he's also... he's. He's a member at Palmetto well, Golf I'm Club. Gonna, I'm going to take Kisner. Okay, so, so you'll take Kisner. picks is Kisner. Fair enough. I'm going to take Ian Poulter plus 2,500. Uh, that's to win plus 275 to top 10. Those odds are not great. But he's playing some really good golf right now. He's had a few top 10s recently. He's rolling in the right direction. And he's kind of one of those dudes, too, where he flip-flops through putters so often and he goes through putting ups and downs. But he really grinds hard on his ball striking and Pretty much brings it week in, week out. So I'm, I like Poults, plus 2,500 uh, to win and plus 275 uh, to top 10. And the last dude, let's see if I can find him real quick, is Scott Brown. He won on tour a while back a few He's times. plus 20,000 to win. Plus 20,000 uh, to win. 1,600 to top 10. Yes. He is a South Carolina boy. Him and kids are good boys. So I would like to see it coming down the stretch and kids and Brown are possibly paired together, that'd be a pretty fun uh, match to watch there. So I'm rolling Scott Brown, plus 20,000. That's Those are some fat odds. That's a flyer. But, hey, look at Phil Mickelson in the PGA Championship. Crazier shit's happened. Flyers happen. Flyers happen. All right, so I thought my pick was a flyer. So you've got basically DJ, Kisner, yeah. and Brown. No, you have Kisner. No, DJ and Brown. And Poulter. And Poulter. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take a flyer here. Final answer. <laughs> He's plus 10,000 to win the tournament, plus 900 top 10. Camilo Villegas. Camilo uh, Villegas. I think he... Spider-Man. He's played some good golf this year. He's been leading. He's kind of like got the Keegan Bradley syndrome where he's been leading early in tournaments and not been able to finish it off. But I I don't know. I just got a feeling about the about the guy, the, the guy that gets so close to the green. He's basically on it or part of it. Um, he's plus 10,000 to win, plus 900 to top 10. And then I've got Kiz, of course, who is plus, let's get the exact odds, plus 4,000 and plus 400 to win in top 10, respectively. And my third pick, I'm going to go with a guy that uh, normally 
just a great ball striker in general. He's pretty close up there to the favorites. I was thinking about going with my guy Sun JM as I love betting him, but I'm going to go the guy one below him on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and go with Tommy Fleetwood, who is plus 2,500 to win the tournament and plus 250 to top 10. So um, Tommy Fleetwood, Kevin Kisner, and Camilo Villegas. And real quick, before we get out of here, shout out to everybody that signed up for the DNVR Golf League. We are going to be have, having open spots starting next week at Spring Valley on Monday. We're going to have that the second week of league. We had our first day yesterday. Uh, it was an absolute blast. We had some drinks, enjoyed common ground, other than the fact the wind was blowing so bad you couldn't keep a ball on the greens. Um, so we're hoping for a better late afternoon um, here at the Valley of Fun next Monday. But appreciate everybody that signed up for the DNVR Golf League. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast every week. You're getting to play nine holes. I got to play with... Uh, JC and uh, Michael Harrison and Eddie and just fun to play with different people I've never played golf with and, and kind of share some stories, share some laughs, share a good time. So appreciate those who all signed up and we'll get some spots out for each week of league coming up. We've got a few cool courses including the Valley of Fun but Red Hawk, Fossil Trace and uh, Common Ground again where hopefully we have some, we have less than 60 mile an hour wins. I took a couple X's, I made a couple birdies and it was all in a nine holes day of work. So <laughs> Um, appreciate you guys all listening. As always, follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore golf. I am at Big Drive Spence. He is at Big Drive Mitch. Until then, we will talk to y'all next week. Peace.